Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The go through some emails, check your calendar, see that you have a 45 minute break in the day between meetings, realize this is your moment. So you drive right to McDonald's to pick up something extra delicious ASAP meal. Thank you. There's a meal for every moment at McDonald's. Buy one of your select faves and get another for just a dollar every morning, like a sausage McMuffin or hash browns. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Prices and participation may vary. Valid for product of equal or lesser value. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Cowboy meal valid when product served. Welcome to episode number 62 of the LSR podcast. My name is Matt Brown, joined each and every week by the brightest minds in all of the gaming industry. With me this week, Dustin Galker, Adam Candy. We have a lot. We have a fiery podcast for you guys this week and feeling pretty good about that one. It's been a hot minute since we have had a fiery podcast here on the LSR podcast. So, Adam, I don't know about you. Dustin said before we started recording here that he still had some fire in his belly from yesterday. I am loving the fact that he still has fire in his belly. I think, Matt, you need to send word out to our massive LSR podcast audio staff that they're going to need to check the levels on this thing before it goes, because we might be yelling. You might be, you might be able to hear me when I'm muted. It's how angry I am. <laughs> even, <laughs> even when muted, Dustin might be coming through, and that is how fiery this is going to be. We are also going to be joined by Casey Clark of the AGA a little bit later, so be sure and stick around for that. But uh, we have a, a ton. Of course, it will update you on the states as we normally do as well. But let's uh, let's go ahead and kick things off here with something that came through that I thought was very, very interesting, guys. Um, Major League Baseball coming through with a new partnership. And Dustin, this was something uh, actually all three of us were kind of we're kind of having messages back and forth about this on our own private little Slack channel and stuff, because it really stood out this partnership because it's none of the companies that we really talk about here on this podcast. Yeah, this is uh, was an interesting deal. It takes a lot to make my jaw drop, I'd say these days. But uh, <laughs> this one made made it drop. Uh, Sam across that Major League Baseball did a deal with uh, a sports book operator named Bet Chris, which again is probably not super familiar for U.S. audience, but uh, is a powerhouse in Latin America. Uh, this is uh, the MLB deal covers. Uh, just Latin America. This is not a U.S. facing deal, but uh, it's interesting because Bet Chris uh, definitely once upon a time served the U.S. certainly illegally. Uh, there are there are debates about how much it's tied to offshore betting these days. I'm not. I can't sit here and say that Bet Chris takes uh, you know, bets from people in the United States. They you know they they say they firewall what's going on in the United States now and have since 2007. You know they've uh, they've been connected to uh, a sports book that has not operated legally, uh, Bookmaker.eu, uh, and still does not operate in, in the U.S. illegally. And they those two companies you know were tied together. How much they're tied together might be a, a matter of corporate structuring over there. So this is an interesting deal because uh, this is Major League Baseball giving what is what was 
you know, almost certainly not a good actor in the United States at one point in time in the not distant future, back when baseball really didn't like betting at all and was, you know, trying to stop it in all, all shapes and forms. And now, you know, two years after the fall of uh, the federal ban is now doing a deal with this company. So it's a it's an interesting one. And, you know, uh, you know there will be more ink dedicated to this because this is a topic of the sports betting world that I think people are, are going to dissect a lot as it as time moves on. Yeah, Adam, this was uh, something like I'm very familiar with with Bet Chris, and I know that because I was, uh, you know, when I was in my former days, you know, 20 years ago and stuff, uh, I was betting at Bet Chris when they were actually taking bets in the United States and when they were, uh, you know, actively not only taking bets in the United States, but actively marketing within the United States as well and uh, really pushing their product and whatnot. Now, they did split off, as Dustin mentioned, into bookmaker which was bet chris was offshore only and then outside of the united states and then and then bookmaker was taking bets within the united states here but i mean this is just an interesting partnership overall and in general when you are going to partner with a company here that again at one point in time was definitely operating illegally in the united states may still be in some way shape or form or some capacity uh this is just a pretty slippery slope here Without question, Matt. And for those who think we're here trying to legislate, is Bet Chris legal now and what an offshore is? Look, we have put enough words into that argument that you know where we stand on it. We don't need to tell you anything about that. Where this slope gets slippery, Matt, is Bet Chris is not just stopping at this partnership in Latin America with Major League Baseball that is very clearly meant to be outside the United States. Their CEO is giving interviews saying that they want to get into the U.S. market, they, the U.S. legal regulated market. Now, it's obviously up to state regulators to make the decision as to whether they want to allow a company that has the history of BetCris, which has ties going back well into the past that have to do with organized crime and potential money laundering. And, you know, I'll put the Jesus and Mero allegedly in there for mm-hmm. you. But right. beyond that, this is something that the legal market and anyone who is dedicated to the success of the legal market needs to have major alarm bells going off in their head about. Because the thought of a company that used to serve this country illegally, having their background essentially whitewashed for the purpose of regulators potentially allowing them to get into the US market is something that is highly, highly concerning. And it is something that we're looking into and it's something that I think anyone who wants to see the legal market succeed needs to look at and talk to regulators and talk to their representatives and say, we don't want this to happen. And and Dustin, I guess, you know, one of the other things here is if this were to continue on and does actually, you know, this partnership does actually formulate and move on here. I mean, where does this go for these other kind of offshore books? I mean, the, the, the questions are really going to start to to mount here. If I'm an offshore book and I'm one of these books that may or may not have, you know, done some stuff back in the day in the United States, but I've been quote unquote clean for however many years it might've been past that. I mean, maybe I'm trying to ring up some of these sports leagues, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, I agree with Adam on the slippery slope. Now, let's make let's also make it clear, and I'm not going to try to be too much of a bet, Chris apologist, but they are they are at least different than off, other offshore books. They are licensed True. in in Malta right now. They are mm. 
in they are serving Latin American countries in what is, appears to be a legal and regulated way. So that is not what's going on at, at majority of sports book offshore sports books that we talk about. So, but yes, it's they they their their past is is dotted with with things that are are definitely strange. I don't know. Can you, if you are one of these other offshore sports books, can you spin off a business that is clean from you know a corporate standpoint? It's not. This is not. You know, Bavada Sportsbook. This is something else, but you know, we we right. have turned this into that. Yes, can, that's the worry. I think is that you can you can create a corporate structure. You can say, hey, I'm going to be uh, be legit over here, and uh, and and how how where do we go from there? Yeah, it's uh, again, I don't I don't know if we're going to see that or if, but you know, we uh, we are already seeing you know sites that serve the U.S. market for, uh, serve the offshore market from uh, a standpoint of, of trying to get betters to sign up, they have started washing themselves and also getting into the US market and leaving offshore behind it to some extent in probably some of the same ways we're talking about here. So yeah, I don't know where it goes. I, I'm, I'm not gonna sit here and say that MLB absolutely shouldn't have done this deal, but you know, just given the, his, the history of it, it looks very hypocritical to, for MLB to be giving some credibility to a site. They, again, 13 years ago, they were serving the American market, taking U.S. betters. Um, we can say that pretty definitively. And MLB has said, yes, we're going to partner with that company. Uh, you know, uh, we've get, we're also getting people, you know, t- telling us, oh, well, this isn't that much exi- different from like an SB Tech that has served gray markets or DraftKings mm-hmm. that's been a bad actor in DFS. Like none of this is all. It's those are very different, I think, in terms of of what's going on and how things have shaken out and. I agree. It's, I, I, I don't know if we're going to continue going down the slippery slope, but I think this I don't think it's the greatest move for MLB to have done this. And Adam, strictly from a an MLB standpoint here, I'm sure, you know, down the line, if they get questioned on this, that it's going to come down to the, oh, you know, we're, we're reaching out to our Latin American fans or anything like that. I mean, you're a sports guy. You, you know, sports pretty well. I don't think Major League Baseball, of all the territories in the entire world that they need to be focusing on as far as increasing popularity and getting fan base and things like that, would be the Latin American countries. That's actually where baseball is the most popular right now and where the the sentiment and the feeling towards baseball has actually not eroded over the years where it has, you know, basically definitely in the United States and, and I can imagine the rest of the world as well. Yeah, but I don't know that it's so much about building a fan base as it is trying to bring some dollars out of the strong existing fan base that they have. Uh, you have Latin American market that is huge in terms of uh, baseball's popularity. And I'm sure that from the MLB perspective, you look at it and say, this is a market where we know we have engaged fans and a market that it will not be very hard for us in terms of marketing to be able to convert that uh, base into betters and be able to get something out of the deal. But my question is if you're major league baseball and you're going and lobbying us states for official league data mandates, previously you were lobbying them for the integrity fee and you are now going to be dealing with both legislators and regulators when it comes to these official league data mandates, why would you potentially put a mark on yourself in terms of dealing with a company that, as we've said, we're not talking necessarily about, are they in the US market right now? We're saying in terms of that apples to apples comparison that Dustin was talking about, they directly violated the law about the current practice that we are talking about. We are talking about sports betting in the United States. They violated US law in terms of sports betting in the United States. I am not an attorney, but that seems to be a fairly well 
accepted point among those who are part of this market. So I'm not sure what the value is for MLB in terms of getting into this partnership with BetChris at this point, but you know, that's up to uh, that's up to Major League Baseball, which this year certainly has made a number of decisions that I think yeah. uh, those in the sports world have some questions about. The, the benefit is obviously a pile, a giant pile of cash. That, well, uh, yeah, sure yes, that. I think we know that. But what value yeah. is in the cash is what I'm right. saying. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 for sure. I was saying I think the official statement from them would be like, oh, no, we're just we're serving our fan base here. Right. And, you know, whatever. So like, no, you're not like, like no, no, you're not. That's 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 not yeah. the case at all. Uh, so we talked about a little fire in the belly here, guys, some getting a little pumped up here on the podcast. And this is going to be so really, really amazing here. Dustin, let's uh, let's talk about Pittsburgh's athletic director. Yeah, so this news came out last week that Congress, as part of uh, discussions about name, image, and likeness for the NCAA, and if it's going to do any legislation, that there would be a hearing, and part of that hearing would also involve integrity and sports betting as relates to college athletics, which instantly when I heard that, I was... let's say not excited about the prospect of Congress getting into sports betting again. They have done a hearing on this, this in the past. They have done it one on daily fantasy sports. Both were debacles. You can argue this one was even worse because of the kind of short shrift it was given. It was very, it was a very minimalist amount of time spent on sports betting. But the big thing was, uh, you know, we had the uh, Bill Miller of the AGA was speaking. He gave testimony, but the bigger part was we had the the athletic director of, of Pitt in Pennsylvania come on and basically ask Congress for a ban on college betting, which is so backwards and so dumb at this point. Uh, you know, we've, we've gotten all this way, uh, you know, the, the first federal ban was obviously awful. Offshore sports betting ran, ran rampant without any legal options outside of Nevada and the United States. We've had two years of a regulated market and that has often included college betting. And now we have one of two witnesses in front of Congress saying, you need to ban college betting. Now, that's stupid for reasons that we all know. It's There is going to be college betting no matter what. It will happen offshore. It will happen uh, in multitudes of ways, th- th- whether you ban it at the, the congressional level via federal legislation or not. So this was, you know, of the dumb things we've heard in, in sports betting over the years, the, the testimony that we saw from Pitts AD is in my top five of some of the worst, dumbest, worst and dumbest things that we've seen. And I'm, uh, yes, I'm still angry after having listened to it almost 24 <laughs> hours ago. And it's, it's just, it's disappointing that this is where we're still at on the conversation that we have to, we're talking about banning a certain segment of, of, of betting because that's somehow going to improve integrity, which we know is not the case. Adam, this is something that, you know, listen, we might have people listening to this maybe it's AIDS, maybe it's whatever. So, I mean, it's, we might as well beat the drum here even more. And the people that have been with us since day one here, we are on, you know, episode number 62 now, but those who have been with us from day one. have certainly heard us say this before, but I mean, listen, let's, Talk about why this is just such an incredibly terrible idea. The foundations of this idea are built on things that are coming from one of two places. They're either coming from ignorance or they are coming from willful deceit. There's no other way around it, because if you read through the written testimony that was brought by Pitts AD, Heather Lake, you see numerous arguments that are either long since disproven, based on complete falsehoods, or otherwise debunked long ago. So I guess I don't understand 
that this is the stance that the NCAA wants to present in front of Congress, because realize that Pitts AD was not speaking just for herself. She was speaking as a representative of Lead One, uh, this group out of Washington, D.C. that represents a number of college administrators, right? So this is being put forth as an official position. And we broke it down on Legal Sports Report at our Twitter at LSP Report yesterday. The numerous arguments involved here that make no sense whatsoever. Uh, We were approaching it in this letter as though betting started in 2018 when PASPA fell. Uh, The idea that there is not betting on college sports, the idea that athletes are more susceptible to being influenced by money in a legal regulated market than they are by offshore bookies, the idea that the legal market is not the best way to catch any potential irregularities as it has been for the last 50 years of sports betting, all of those ideas are patently insane. Insane. There's no good explanation for what was put in front of Congress yesterday. And very honestly, there were some arguments that are flat out disingenuous, like talking about college prop betting and talking about there might be betting on the jump ball of a game in an NCAA basketball game. That's garbage. There's not a legal regulated book on earth that is offering that bet. You know where that is being offered? At offshore books. That's the sort of thing you can find in an unregulated market. And I have to say, and and I've expressed this to some people privately as well, uh, I think there was a missed opportunity for Bill Miller from the AGA yesterday when some of these things were put out there to respond to it and say, no, this isn't the case. Uh, I think he left some room in there talking about it being, quote, unclear about the threat of match fixing and not fighting back on some of these prop betting uh, situations that maybe left more momentum, even if it is a small amount of momentum for some version of a college betting ban that would be tied to the name, image and likeness situation, because I don't think a, a college betting ban gets through on its own in Congress, but there could be some small momentum at- attached to this name, image and likeness situation that the NCAA is running to Congress to try to save itself after a few state laws were passed to uh, to this effect as well, as Senator Cory Booker talked about in the hearing. And of all the disingenuous things that uh, the AD said, it, the one was the the worst one for me was when she was saying that with a regulated market, there would be more college betting scandals. We have for two, we've had legals betting for two years. There have been, unless unless we've missed it, I don't think we've missed it. There have been zero college betting scandals in the last two years. There have been plenty of college betting scandals in the past with point shaving either via, you know, that have been smelled out in Vegas or have been uh, handled via, you know, that were betting, being bet on offshore. So this is, like, that's the kind of thing that we we're dealing with yesterday. This is, and, you know, I, I'm with Adam. I don't know how dangerous this is from, in terms of being uh, something that Congress is going to look at as something it's, uh, that they're going to be interested in, but, you know, that we have that and now we don't, and we now have like, okay, that's, we have somebody on the record saying college betting scandals are going to get worse when we have zero evidence of that. That doesn't mean there's not going to be a, a college betting scandal, but just to say it offhand, yes, more betting on in regulated markets is going to mean more betting scandals. That's just nonsense. And there's no zero proof of that. So it, it, the whole thing was frustrating. Uh, and I don't know, I don't know if we didn't really expect anything less than it being frustrating, but this is, this is what happens when, when Congress gets involved. We, as I, as I wrote at LSR the other day, the best thing that Congress could do is stay out of this and not be involved. Gambling has been the purview of states 
uh, generally for a long time. And there's there's nothing that the federal government or the Congress can do that, that I think they're, they're going to do is going to make sports betting better. There are things that they could do. Uh, banning college betting is not one of those things. I mean, guys, what has happened since May of 2018 that would suggest that states have not been able to effectively regulate this? Because part of what the argument that uh, Heather Like brought was that, well, this patchwork of state laws creates a situation where states that don't have legal gambling on college sports are dealing with sort of the uh, the actions of states that do have legal betting on college sports. Are you serious? Are you trying to make the argument that those who bring a legal regulated market to betting on college sports are going to somehow make it so that states that don't have it are now more susceptible because of the legal betting in that market? Again, it's either willfully ignorant or uh, or deceitful. And, and either way, it's not right and it's not fair to the efforts of the industry, the efforts of legislators in the nearly 40 percent of states that have passed legal sports betting in the past two and a half years. Uh, one way or the other, it is not what Congress needs to be hearing. I think the industry didn't have as much pushback as it needed yesterday, and hopefully it doesn't lead to more. Yeah, I mean, it, to me, the the biggest takeaway for me is it was just it was the same old tired arguments, right? It was just the same stuff that has been brought up for years now, where it's just, you, like Dustin said, this is there's either absolutely no evidence whatsoever or it's been disproven. And then whenever you go to this deal, it's like, can we promise you that there will not be some sort of college betting scandal? The answer is no. And the reason for that is because bad people are going to do bad things no matter what. It does not matter whether or not you ban it legally within the United States. They're still going to be able to get money down somewhere offshore, wherever it might be. And if they want to do bad things, they're still going to do bad things. And so that's like the the thing to me, like uh, Adam, that you mentioned, I feel like there was a missed opportunity in the fact that we did, there wasn't an adamant kind of like pounding of the fist on the table to say, guys, these are old, tired arguments with no proof, with absolutely no legs whatsoever that we have dealt with and been dealing with forever. And, and as Dustin mentioned, yeah, there's been legalized sports betting outside of Nevada for the last couple of years, but there's been legalized betting in Nevada forever. And like you look at this and there has not been this rampant thing of, of match fixing or point shaving or whatever it might be in college athletics. And so it just, to me, I just continue to, I, I, I fist, I just, whatever, what's it called? Face palm. Every single time these arguments continue to come up. Well, Matt, I, I'm going to go back to the same logic that I used with the bet Chris idea. You have to stamp these things out long before they become a thing, to put it in air quotes, right? You stop the potential whitewashing of offshores to come into the U.S. market by being very loud and very clear about the fact that it should not happen for regulators to approve these companies who took part in the activity illegally to now try to take part in the activity legally. When it comes to politics, when it comes to things like Capitol Hill and allowing the idea of prop betting on the jump ball, which is such garbage that it's hard to even believe that someone didn't pound the table in that room to say, wait a minute, this isn't even a real thing. When those ideas get into the heads of legislators, that's when you start to get the 
both sides. That's when you start to get the, well, what if we just gave a little bit of a concession here? No, there is no legitimate both sides when the argument that is being made is patently false from one side. You can't take that and turn it into a good faith negotiation because only one side is negotiating in good faith. The other side is bringing back arguments that are either straight out false or have been proven to be based in, let's just say, myth. That is not good faith. We were able to catch up with Casey Clark, was able to uh, sit down with him a little bit earlier and talk to him about everything going on over at the AGA. Really do appreciate his time. So let's take a few minutes here with Casey Clark. Well, it's a pleasure here on the LSR podcast to be joined by Casey Clark from the American Gaming Association, along with Dustin Gowker here, Adam Candy. Casey, how you doing this morning? Doing great, guys. How are you? Hey, we're, we're hanging in there uh, as best we can, trying to keep up with what has been a surprisingly busy time of uh, gaming news here over the pandemic time. We thought originally this would be a, a bit of a slower time, but a lot of things have been going on. Maybe tell us a little bit about what the focus has been for the AGA during this time. Yeah, I mean, I think in my in my nearly three years in the industry, I've learned there isn't a downtime, right? And so the pandemic has proven to be in character for the industry in that. I think uh, for us, we've been focused a lot on, on uh, early on at least, was focused on kind of ensuring that the gaming industry was included in CARES Act and federal stimulus activities so that we were making sure that we could protect the, the employees and the businesses involved in, in the gaming business. So that's been a lot, that took a lot of time. Um, we, we were pretty successful at that, at least, you know, beating, beating the odds, if you want to say that around what predicate used to be in terms of how the gaming industry is treated and these sorts of things. So we're pretty happy with the result of those, uh, of those activities. And we're gearing up again, obviously, for, for more stimulus activity to start next week. Um, so we spent a lot of time on that, but, but, you know, we, we've been continuing our, our research, and, and, and I think you guys saw the research we put out this week on, on sports betting and, and the people migrating away from the illegal market, which has continued to be a focus. You guys have been big supporters of the stuff we're doing to try to hold media outlets and others accountable for the kind of shameless advertising and promotion they're doing of offshore books. Uh, and so, you know, it's kind of never stopped for us either. So, Casey, along those lines, the research that came out this week discussed a bit of how it's difficult for some bettors to know the difference between whether they're betting with a legal site or whether they're betting with an offshore site. Maybe tell us a little bit more about what that research showed and you know what you think can be done. I think it showed what, what probably all three of us have been hopeful for, right? Is that legalization provides consumers a safer option for doing what they want to do anyway. This is not, you know, as I tweeted yesterday and, and you know we've talked about a lot this isn't an activity that started when the court invalidated PASPA this is something that's been happening in America for a long time we're just giving people the opportunity to do it legally now that more people have it uh, have the option closer to home than they had before I think what we're seeing is there is an appetite a significant appetite for consumers to want to bet in the legal in the legal market only but there is a lot of confusion out there about what's legal and not and I think that stems from convenience right I think that uh, you, know, you guys said that great piece, Dustin, I think it was your piece yesterday about the things the federal government could do and cracking down on illegal offshore books who are just allowed to operate fairly unfettered in this market is, is really problematic. 
and as long as people can Google sports betting and the first results that you're seeing there are, are offshore books. And, you know, I've got a real problem with things like the five tournament that's happening in Vegas that's sponsored by an offshore book. You know, we've got to all work collectively to make sure that these people aren't getting the access to consumers and betters the way that they have been. And that's why we've been pretty vigilant on, on making sure that every time we're seeing some mainstream outlet decide that it's interesting to write about prop bets related to their friend's divorce rate during COVID, um, that, that we're making sure that people understand they're, they're offering free advertising to illegal books who are preying on consumers and, and you know, doing a real disservice to the regulated market. Part, uh, you know, the media part we've been talking about, and obviously we all know what's going on with uh, with the legal versus the offshore unregulated market. It's frustrating because the media is usually pretty savvy when it comes to something like this. I I, I strain my brain to think about what's a comp for this where the media would just, uh, you know, kind of unknowingly play along with something that's not operating legally in, in a jurisdiction or the United States. That's the part that really gets me is that there's no... For some reason, this is a just a blind spot for the media as they deal with this kind of thing. Do you have Do we have any idea why? Like, I I still it boggles my brain all the time that I I, just, I just don't have an answer for it. Do, you, do we know why, or is it just education efforts continuing? Well, I, I think it's a couple of things. One, I think that um, all due respect to to our friends in the media, but I, I think that clickbait drives attention, right? And so I think that interesting bets on the weather or politics or things that licensed books aren't going to offer uh, in the United States drive people's attention and it's headline grabbing stuff. So I think that there's um, news making uh, via Twitter um, just for to get eyes. So I think part of it is just the news cycle and the 24 hour news cycle and the push for limited um, engagement. But I also think there is an education issue. You know, I think we get we get a mixed review when we talk to reporters who, who are writing these pieces. And part of it is, look, it, you know, it is newsworthy that people are interested in this sort of thing. And we've seen enough consumer interest in these activities that we us reporting on it isn't us advertising for them. And others just say, we didn't know. We didn't know it was illegal. And so now, you know, we're glad to be that we're pointing it out. But it's it feels like it's a rock that we're going to continue to push up a hill for a long time but i think with partners like you guys who are continuing to help put the spotlight on that too i think you know we can make some real progress and there's lots of of interesting data points in in this study you uh, the polling you guys did around offshore sports books um perhaps the most interesting one to me and this is what has always been compelling about a legal offer is that you said 74% say it's important to only bet through legal providers. That's for me is what, you know, that's an encouraging number when I see it, that there's that a number of people responding that, hey, this is better than, than betting in an offshore sports book. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, look, I think um, it, it, that's very encouraging, but I think that the, the, the challenging part of the results is, is or the idea that people are continuing to bet with illegal operators. And the, the research indicates that a lot of those people are doing kind of unwittingly on the illegal side because they, they don't know. You know, I, I think a lot of this, and Adam, you asked the question a little bit ago, but it's about consumer education. What What's legal and what isn't? And so um, we need to continue to drive people towards the legal market, give them alternatives and find their, you know, and make sure they're aware of the protections that exist within those opportunities and where they can do it in their own state. So, 
we have resources on our site. I know you guys are familiar with it, but our, our sports betting map tracks not just legalization issues, but also lists where you can bet legally, what the apps are that are legal, what are the books, you know, the, the in-person books that are open and available to people across the country. So I hope more people are using those resources and, and, and looking for where they can do this legally that matches the interest that you're talking about, Dustin. I mean, Casey, I would say the only map in creation that is better than that one is the one we have right at Legal Sports Report, uh, where we're tracking the legislation throughout the country and trying to talk about where the uh, where the options are being offered legally sure. and kind of by process of elimination, they're not being offered legally. So did, we know. Did anybody? Did do you know if any of the offshore books offered odds on the increase in cartography um, from people like you guys and, and the AGA over the course of the last you know, year or so? You know, I've heard that a couple of the big uh, offshore operations are huge into cartography now. <laughs> yeah. Yes, you you go to check out your bet and it's in the Descartes. Sorry, I had to. Um, Thank you, thank you. Uh, you, You're you're welcome to turn your Zoom off at any time. I want everyone to to see me shaking my head at that. Good, you know what, I actually probably do too. I I, I need to be publicly shamed for things like that. Um, Well, moving away from the map section that I didn't expect that we would have uh, in this podcast, back to your area in Washington, DC, we know Yesterday, there was a hearing in Congress. The NCAA was there talking about name, image, and likeness for, uh, for their student athletes. But there also was a discussion about sports betting. Your CEO, Bill Miller, as well as the athletic director from the University of Pittsburgh. What was the primary message you wanted to get across to the Senate uh, Judiciary Committee in that hearing? I think the, the, the goal for us was to make sure they understood that the protections that, that everyone seeks are, are only available in the legal market. Listen to the, the, the testimony from the AD. I, I think she's, she's focused on pretty antiquated models and, and, and suggesting that somehow this betting activity is just starting and somehow there are new integrity challenges from legal regulated betting that didn't exist in the entirely illegal market that was happening just a couple of years ago. So, you know, our, hope is that people understand that the only way to offer the protections that everyone hopes exist is through the legal market, right? Add the oversight of 4,000 regulators across this country who are dedicated to focusing on gaming. Add the protections of legal licensed books who are the only ones who are seeing anomalies in betting activity and identifying problems. So I think that our goal, and I think Bill in his, in his testimony articulated pretty well about what it is we're trying to, you know, what the protections are and how we achieve those um, and, and the role of, of the legal regulated market in, in ensuring that. But the other thing that's important to us, and I think we've talked about it before, is this has got to be a shared imperative, right? The gaming industry and AGA can't be the only ones involved in this new sports betting ecosystem that care about responsible gaming provisions, that care about protecting players, care about addressing problem gambling, and care about ensuring people are educated about what's legal and what isn't. There's some some issues with leagues who are who are, who are kind of uh, entering into some partnership deals that are questionable. You know, I think Dustin, we've talked a little bit about it. You talked to, to Caroline about that this week, right? There's just we need to make sure that people understand when, when that this isn't just a financial opportunity. That there comes with that a real a real responsibility for not just the integrity of the competition, uh, but also those involved in it from both sides of that transaction, the athletes and the betters. 
You know, to follow up on that, Casey, you mentioned the partnership deal that was recently signed by Major League Baseball with an, uh, with an operator from offshore. And not to speak specifically to that deal, but to speak in general to the idea of what that does in terms of potentially legitimizing uh, some of these offshore operations. Yeah. What, what would you say overall is your perspective on how those deals might shape up as we move forward? I, I believe that the leagues and others are doing a lot of due diligence before they enter these things because I believe that they have to. And I think they have a longstanding commitment to that through their partnerships beyond gaming. So I, I want to first just say, I, I don't, I don't think they're entering into deals that are completely without any uh, any merit or, or any without any due diligence. But I do think it adds credibility to offshore operators and others who aren't operating legally in this country when American sports leagues and teams enter into these kind of partnerships. So I think we have to be really careful. And I think that leagues who do enter into these partnerships need to be very clear with their consumers and their fan base that that is not in this country, a viable legal option for them to, if they choose to bet on their sport. So in terms of Major League Baseball, I want to be clear about something for everybody out there. This is being done via an this interview. It's being done via an electronic method that is interstate. But I might have to offer some sort of wager to Casey here as it is whatever version of opening day we're going to have the New York Yankees <laughs> taking on the Washington Nationals tonight, assuming that you're not washed away uh, in D.C. by by the storms. But uh, any thoughts on a, on a friendly wager on this one? God, could you – I mean, I, I literally just said that to someone. Like, Are you excited about opening day? I'm like, I'm trying not to get my hopes up because I'm afraid it's going to rain out. Like, I, can't, <laughs> right. I can't handle more disappointment, you know. I, I, look, I, I think that the um, – I'm excited about the game tonight. I'm excited about baseball being back. I'm excited about some semblance of normalcy, right? I think NBA basketball, hockey, you know, um, even some of the MLS games, I think a bit interesting. Premier League's having a great end of their season, which I think is interesting. Like, I think all of these sports kind of, uh, leagues coming back have been really good, at least for, for my mental well-being, and I assume a lot of others too. So, uh, sure, I'm happy to have a friendly – non-monetary wager app about what it is about the Nationals um, beating the Yankees tonight. I love your confidence. I will also love uh, <laughs> extracting whatever that prize is. Hopefully at All next right. year's uh, G2E at the latest uh, when we're there we go. together I again. Like uh, Casey Clark from the American Gaming Association. Thanks so much for your time. We appreciate you joining us. Yeah, great to be with you guys. Thanks for having me on again. I appreciate it. Again, thanks to Casey Clark for taking the time to talk to us here. Uh, guys, we have some research coming from the AGA. This is, we were talking about Bet Chris a little bit earlier here, Dustin, and there was some research on the illegal markets out there as well. Yeah, the AGA put some information out that was interesting from polling of, of betters and activity in the United States. And, uh, you know, some of it's encouraging, some of it's discouraging. One of the most interesting things I thought we talked about with Casey a little bit is that. Uh, three quarters of the responses poll said it's important to use only legal U.S. sports books, but you know at the same time we we have in their polling almost half of betters bet with an illegal sports book at the same time. Now that's obvious. You know sometimes you don't even have an option. Sometimes the options maybe might be better depending on where you are. But um, you know this is uh, I'm encouraged mostly just because I know the AGA is taken this on as an important issue uh, and it should be an important issue to all, you know everybody they represent and the the burgeoning US sports betting industry because unless you unless you push back on what's going on offshore uh, both from you know from uh, 
media perspective to how you how you advertise to all of that it's you just never we're never we're always going to be spinning our wheels yes there will be a lot of betting out of the, out of the gate but you're still you know you're still competing with customers and, and search results and all of that as we talk about all the time here so um you know, for me it's i just encourage that the aga is pushing this as an issue hopefully they'll they'll continue doing this and, and uh you know the, the polling is one example of that and trying to educate people and and the media uh, writ large as we try to get as youth sports betting becomes more widely practiced. Yeah, Adam, I think that this is maybe the one thing that I would really advocate from the AGA a little bit more is just more awareness out there to the people that aren't in the industry. You know, we live and breathe this and on a day-to-day basis. So when we see the quote unquote, and if you're watching the video, you're seeing this. And if not, if you're listening to the podcast, I'm doing the air quotes right here. The Vegas lines for something or Vegas says this and whatever. And then you read down. And of course it's like, you know, some press release that was sent out from an offshore book and and it's getting published as, you know, Vegas lines or whatever it might be. So I think an awareness campaign from the AGA to just sports writers in the United States that are going to be writing about this coming in the future. I mean, it is coming to your state or a state that is next to your state. And so you are going to be asked to write about this and they're going to be asked to write about this. So at least knowing what they're talking about and knowing where to go get the correct information, I I really do like an awareness campaign from them. You know, when you have a prominent offshore that has been using .lv as its address for many (laughs) years, then it's hard to blame sports writers who haven't known much about the legal market who now have to cover the legal market for having some confusion in there. And of course, we talk about sports writers because that is uh, one of the more common ways that people are getting their information. But that's not just writers. That's, of course, TV personalities, radio Mm -hmm. personalities as well. And what happens is the more salacious sorts of things that you can bet on. I saw one today about betting on global warming, uh, betting on celebrity (laughs) divorces. Like they say Vegas uh, has odds up on these things. Vegas has no odds up on these things. Regulated markets do not have odds up on these sorts of things. So, you know, I know that that you and Dustin and I certainly feel this way that we're doing some shouting into the void about, hey, you're quoting an offshore book, right? Like we yell it and we yell it and we yell it. And it feels like we're in the forest and there's nobody else there uh, saying it. So, yes, having an industry trade group like the AGA pushing this and frankly, having some more major media companies being involved in legal sports betting themselves goes a long way to this, right? We saw ESPN, once it was tied up with Caesars, begin to quote the Caesars odds more regularly and make it so that you were getting a legal book being put out in front of people. You might see it with CBS and William Hill as well coming up uh, as a way of their partnership manifesting. So there are ways of doing it, but I think we have to Everyone within the bubble of legal U.S. sports betting needs to acknowledge just how long it was that the offshores had the market to themselves in terms of this publicity and realize that it's going to take a steep education curve to bring people back over to the idea of, no, no, you should be quoting legal books. I know you guys out there that listen to the pod on a regular basis are sitting here going, wait a minute, you're 40 minutes into the pod and you haven't mentioned DraftKings yet. Adam! Let's go ahead and mention DraftKings. We have to mention DraftKings here. Uh, this time, though, we're not talking about a stock. We're talking about a partnership. Can I talk about stock? 
<laughs> I, I feel I was only prepared to talk about DraftKings stock. That's the one thing I prepare for every single week. Now, the one he, thing he has that, a, uh, you, you got that tattoo on your shoulder, right? The draft hashtag D, DKNG, the, the stock symbol. Or hashtag DN, uh, DKNG. <laughs> and I just go around yelling at people, stonk, 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 yeah. buy DraftKings stonk. <laughs> uh, maybe what's going on in Illinois will be a reason to buy more DraftKings stonk. Uh, DraftKings and Casino Queen. Now, we talked about the fact that they have a partnership and the Illinois market is an interesting deal because much like Pennsylvania, each casino only gets one online skin or license brand uh, to be able to market themselves. So one of the ways that DraftKings was going to try to work its way around the restrictions that have been placed on themselves and FanDuel in Illinois was by partnering with a casino first. They did that. Now, Casino Queen is going to be rebranded with DraftKings incorporated into the name. That's the way they're going to work around the regulation that the brand being used by the casino for online sports betting needs to be largely the name of the existing casino. So DraftKings has itself in there and we can expect that DraftKings having received its license last week in Illinois is only waiting upon Casino Queen to get its license before launching here in the middle of this executive order from Governor J.B. Pritzker that lifts the restriction requiring in-person registration. There have to be a lot of smaller sports books who thought they had an edge on DraftKings and FanDuel who are just scratching their heads as to what to do about the Illinois market right now because you could see both DraftKings and FanDuel live in the next couple of weeks here, depending on how things shake down DraftKings before FanDuel, I would say, and definitely before NFL season. We are certainly going to find out if there were truly is this uh, pent up out there, all these people wanting to get into the sports betting market because we are going to have live sports as of tonight. Fingers crossed here that we're going to have multiple sports in a couple of weeks here. So we will certainly uh, the numbers should show whether, you know, that whole ah, we need sports so badly is actually the truth. Now, Dustin, we talk about New York pretty much every single podcast because it is one of the gigantic states out there that we have to monitor because this could be a game changer if and when they do go mobile. We talk about the prospects of that happening quite often. And now you are definitely, definitely <laughs> going to say that it's happening, right? Uh, I'm not going to go on any limb. I don't know why we're not <laughs> having the guy with the Yankees hat talk about New York, but we're going to, I'll, I'll plow ahead anyway. Uh, New York, stop us if you've heard this before. New York is, has online sports betting on the table yet again. Uh, you want to read about the chances of that? I'm not sure we have a great answer to that, but you can go to legal sports Report and read more about it. Here's what's happening. The, the speaker of the assembly is counting votes, uh, which is, you know, it would seem like a good sign that this is uh, something that is on everyone's radar. So when it gets to that level of leadership, you, you have to take it at least somewhat seriously. So, um, you know, the, the sponsors who have been pushing this for a while, some Gary Pretlow and uh, Senator Joe Adabo have been pushing this for a while. They are optimistic that something will happen. I am far less than optimistic that something is going to happen in New York. I'd say I don't know. I'd say it's longer shot than anything than any time I it was handicapping California. So I, I guess we could say maybe California will fall off uh, into the ocean by an earthquake before New York legalizes sports betting this year. But it's you know who knows right now. It's tough to tell. The big one for me is always we don't we don't really know what Governor Andrew Cuomo wants to do with this. Um, he's he's the one who's really stopped any progress on this in the past. He said I don't I don't want this, and if he doesn't want it, then it's hard to see how it happens. But 
They are counting votes in New York uh, toward whether they can pass sports betting legislation. So we are at least on New York watch for for this summer and uh, we'll see what comes of it. Adam, are we going to find out like five years down the road that New Jersey was actively lobbying against this, like secretly in New York, that they have been like planting the seeds of doubt in all of everything that's going on in New York so that they can keep all of that New York City money? I think it's a Tony Soprano situation, don't you? <laughs> don't, don't you think there are some guys, we'll say, behind the scenes who might be doing this? Uh, I think the interesting part uh, from what Dustin talked about, and I'll say from the political side, is that the speaker has been someone who has been opposed to mobile sports betting in the past. And if he's out there counting votes, that is a pretty big step in the right direction. Now, his vote count and Gary Pretlow's vote count differ. And I would check out the story to find out about that because Pretlow's vote count would put the assembly over the top and the speaker's vote count is a bit below that. The Senate has been receptive to mobile sports betting in the past. We've seen them pass it. So if the speaker is out there counting votes to try to find ways to help New York fill the budget gap, potentially by legalizing mobile sports betting, then I think you at least are looking at a glimmer of hope that you didn't have otherwise. And I would be very surprised from a political perspective if the speaker were out there counting votes without some word to the governor's office of, hey, I'm at least going to look at this. So Is it going to happen? I think we're far from that. But if 69 votes were uh, available in the speaker's count and you're trying to just get up over the mid 70s, it's not that many to try to whip to your side if it's something you really want. So we I guess this was about two months ago, I guess it was when we were on the pod and something came across in Oklahoma and we're like, wow, that's kind of out of nowhere. And we followed kind of that up and down and everything that was going on over there in Oklahoma. Adam, do we finally have a bow to put on the Oklahoma story? Absolutely not, Matt. Uh, (laughs) I wish we could put a bow on that story, but this has been one of the more dynamic sports betting stories of 2020. Every time I think we've seen the last little bit out of Oklahoma, something else happens. Now, we did get a big piece of news this week. The Oklahoma Supreme Court ruled that the two tribal gaming compacts entered into by Governor Kevin Stitt that would have authorized retail sports betting at a pair of casinos were illegal under state law. The long and short of this is that state law in Oklahoma does not allow for sports betting. It is illegal. And the governor tried to legalize it via the compacts uh, that was opposed by the leaders of both legislative chambers as well as the state's attorney general. So is it done and over with? No, but I would say that Oklahoma sports betting a much, much longer shot today than it was even a week ago. And Dustin, we hit you up about New York, which is one of the prize jewels out there to go mobile. So if we were going to go on the complete opposite spectrum of states that would be a prize out there, maybe Rhode Island would fall into that category. But we do have some news coming out of Rhode Island. What are you talking about? Rhode Island is the holy grail of sports betting <laughs> revenue for the, for the whole country. Uh, we, ju- we jest. I'm sorry. It's a small state, but it, but certainly an important one. But they have they have actually gone back and fixed their sports betting law, which is a shocking thing to see from from a legislature. They have now allowed for registration remotely. So before in Rhode Island, you had to actually go to the casino to finish registration. Obviously, that's really problematic in today's day and age with the uh, know, uh, people not wanting to go to places uh, in fear of the coronavirus. So they have fixed the law. It's been, you can now uh, buy, after the governor signed this into, into 
being that you can sign up from wherever you want to as long as you're within Rhode Island's borders. Now, this should really help uh, what's going on in Rhode Island. It's been a, a huge disappointment in terms of revenue and, and taxes for the state. It's still going to be, you know, they still have the messed up part where it's a, a lottery uh, and a, a monopoly where you only have one operator, which is we've said time and again, is not ideal. But this is a, is a step in the right direction. You hopefully, you hopefully down the road, Rhode Island has shown a willingness to to change once. Maybe that maybe they'll change again, and you'll have more than just one app there. But you know, Rhode Island has done the right thing and is getting rid of remote registration again, like we've seen in Illinois, where they rolled that back at least temporarily. This is this is what you should be doing for sports betting. You shouldn't force people to go to a casino to sign up. This is a way better path to you know getting people into the legal market and, and your state realizing some revenue from it. Guys, as always, everything we talk about here on the podcast, you can find over at LegalSportsReport.com. We are on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google as far as your podcasting needs. So please go in, subscribe, rate, and review. We really do appreciate that. You can find Dustin at Dustin Galker on Twitter. You can find Adam at Adam Candy. I am at Matt Brown M2. Special thanks to Casey Clark for joining us from over at the AGA. Really good stuff there. And guys, number 62. Adam, we have not gotten we have not gotten canceled yet. We are well on our way to 100. Do you think we will make it? Oh boy. Um yes. I say we All absolutely right. make it. I like it. I mean, what what's that? That's about uh we got like a a little over half a year's worth to to get to uh to get to number 100 here. So, uh feeling uh feeling pretty good about it. If there's any, if there's any money on this, I can, uh, I mean, I can impact that. And uh, <laughs> if anybody has overs and unders, I'll. You uh, better recuse I, yourself from this discussion, sir. <laughs> yeah. Don't nobody slide into Dustin's DMs. Like no, nobody sliding into Dustin's DMs on this one. That is, that is complete garbage. So uh, again, thanks. Uh, thanks to Casey Clark. And thank you guys for watching and listening along here for Dustin for Adam. I'm Matt. Talk to you guys next week. The go through some emails, check your calendar, see that you have a 45-minute break in the day between meetings, realize this is your moment. So you drive right to McDonald's to pick up something extra delicious ASAP meal. Thank you. There's a meal for every moment at McDonald's. Buy one of your select faves and get another for just a dollar every morning, like a sausage McMuffin or hash browns. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Prices and participation may vary. Valid for product of equal or lesser value. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Combo meal valid when product served. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.